Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Get Growing. I'm Gary Folio, your host, along with Bob Dodds with the Lee County Extension Office. And mm-hmm. uh, it's October already. It good is. morning, Bob. Good morning. It's great to be here. Hey, the pumpkin outfit's great. I like that. I, I you thought, look nice. I thought you would like that. My <laughs> gosh, I tell you, it's, uh, it's the holiday season almost. Happy October. I love October. It's probably my favorite month. Is that right? I think it is. Yeah, like and kind of partial to July and August, but... Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I I really enjoy it. I just think fall is so great. You mentioned it already. The pumpkins, the the, the apples, the orchards, the corn harvest, uh, football games. It hey, and by the way, that, uh, that Keokuk uh, student's just doing pretty well. Oh, my. How can you beat that? My mm-hmm. goodness. It was Keokuk Day. I, I was listening to the national uh, TV, and it was Keokuk Day at uh, Kinnick Stadium, I think, last Correct. week. Last Correct. week. So, very, very what good. What a show. Oh, my goodness. You guys are going to have a great season, I think. Um, We're awful proud of him. You should. <laughs> We're it, proud of the whole team. but Exactly. You bet. We have a personal stake in it this year. It's so good for – it's great. You, you just can't beat the national uh, attention that uh, Keokuk's receiving. So, um couple of things on the agenda. First of all, I wanted to mention we've had a few calls at the extension office, and they're saying to me, hey, when is that frost date? And so here's some dates and some numbers to give some thought to. We like probabilities when it comes to determining frost dates for, for, for Lee County, and so we say something like this, and we'll talk about 32 degrees Fahrenheit. One year in 10, earlier than October 14th. Uh So one year in 10, earlier than October 14th. Two years in 10, earlier than October 19th. And five years in 10, earlier than October 29th. So those are some dates to think about. Now, we talked last... Looks like it's going to be October. It is October. (laughs) We talked a little bit about 28 28 degrees Fahrenheit being um, when we really see some killing frosts. And so then we kind of add some time to that, almost a week. We talk about October 1st, or 21st is one year and 10, and I'm talking about 28 degrees Fahrenheit now. Two years and 10, earlier than October 26th, and five years and 10, earlier than November 6th. So I think the best thing to say is that we'll probably expect a killing frost sometime around between October 26th and November 6th is probably the best, best way to put that. So we got a little bit of time. I think so. Still and time. And we had some wonderful weather in October. There's always, it always oh. seems like second week in October uh, seems to be pretty decent. I exactly. I mean, even some 70-degree uh, weather. So that's a good time, and it is. It's a beautiful time of the year. Exactly. It's a good time to give some thought to protecting those raised beds, and uh, we can talk about that a little bit more maybe. Okay, here. we're going to take a break here. A word from Iowa State University and... Our sponsors, our wonderful sponsors that we appreciate each week. Thank you. We'll be right back with Let's Get Growing. the Solid Waste Reduction Act prohibited the disposal of yard waste in area landfills. This encouraged many gardeners to try composting. And here to tell us more about it is Linda Nave here at Ryman Gardens. And Linda, what exactly is compost? Well, compost is simply decomposed plant materials left over from your garden, such as leaves and grass clippings. And it's a great amendment for garden soils. In a sandy soil, it will tighten it up to allow us 
better nutrient and water retention. In an urban, tight urban soil, it will loosen up the soil and allow better air movement for our root development and help hold nutrients. So great for all soils. Good way to get rid of yard waste and a good amendment for our soils. All right, then how do you go about making it? Well, compost is created like a layer cake in layers. We start out with six to eight inch layers of organic material, such as grass clippings and leaves and dead plants that we dig up from our garden in the fall, just so long as they're not diseased. And we can even add kitchen scraps like banana peels and coffee grounds. We layer that, add a layer of old composter soil, and this provides us with the microbes that do the decomposing. A, a little bit of soil to add some extra fertilizer and nitrogen. Then we continue to repeat those layers until our bin is full. This is a good size bin. It's a three foot by three foot bin. And it's a three bin unit so that the gardener can turn the organic material from one bin into another. And then as they're turning it, we get more rapid decomposition. And by the time they get it to the third bin, it's in the final product stage. How often should you be turning it? Uh, optimally about once a week. So allow the heat to build up, then we turn it and mix more oxygen in, add a little water, and we get more rapid decomposition. And how long does the process take? It usually will take about two to four months, depending on how often you turn it, and that's the best way to do it. Okay, all right, thanks, Linda. And if you would like more information on composting, be sure to log on to our websites. For Gardening in the Zone, I'm Liz Gilman. Excuse me, sir. What is it you have there? It's a power blower. It looks like a box to me. There's a power blower inside. Ah, and is that a light-duty or heavy-duty box? Uh, I mean, power blower in a box. I don't know. The box doesn't say. Well, could you ask someone? Customer service in here? Are you joking? No, sir. I don't joke about power blowers, and neither should you. Obviously, it's time for you to get serious with Echo. Echo power blowers are professional grade, carry a 300-hour EPA rating, and a five-year consumer warranty. See your local Echo dealer at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. We don't sell boxes. We sell power blowers. KSB Bank has been in existence since 1868, proudly serving our customers. We have strong roots and a history of providing excellent service to generations. So if you need banking products and services, stop in at one of our four convenient locations and let our dedicated employees work with you to start your money growing. KSB Bank, member FDIC. Strength you can bank on now and in the future. This is Cindy Haynes with a Garden Calendar Minute. Summertime is full of flowers. It's a shame that we can't appreciate these flowers in winter as well. But wait, there is a way you can enjoy some of those same flowers indoors months and even years later. You can dry them. Harvesting and drying flowers is really quite easy. There are certain species of flowers that are noted for their ability to retain the shape and color of their flowers when dry. But if you don't know if you have some of those species, why not give it a try anyway? Worst case scenario is that you have a messy flower to clean up. When harvesting flowers for drying, first select a few flowers that are in peak condition. Avoid blooms that are damaged by insects or too mature because they tend to dry poorly. Next, hang the flowers upside down in a dark, well-ventilated location. That's it. In a couple of weeks, you should have dried reminders of your summer garden to place in bouquets throughout your home. For Iowa State University Horticulture Extension, I'm Cindy Haynes. Welcome back to Let's Get Growing, and uh, we were kind of talking a little bit about temperatures and frost, and I, I saw my breath the other morning, uh, and not a good sign. Exactly. Yes. It is fall, and uh, the weather is pretty variable, but um, um, again, fall's great. And a, and a thought occurred to me last night. I was at a, uh, a football function, and uh, as I turned to look across the field, the sun blinded me, yes. which reminded me of our transportation issues and things like that with people coming uh-huh. in and out of fields. Exactly. And uh, how that sun can, I mean, it can 
it is. have a huge effect on you. Um, you know, four thirty-five, six o'clock, um, those times, and exactly. and want to pay attention to that because we got a lot of people moving around in fields and on mm-hmm. gravel roads and highways and and everything, and and please be careful. That's right, that's right. And to the farmers, make sure and check that lighting. Make sure sometimes when we come out of the fields, we'll have a lot of dust and debris on the combine or on the wagons. We want to make sure that those slow-moving signs are up and brushed off and so that they do reflect the, the, the lights from uh, from the headlights as well. But Gary, you're absolutely right. Uh, the sun at the right time of the day is pretty bright and pretty blinding, so a person wants to be pretty careful. Susie uh, was talking about something earlier about the bee yeah. bomb. Yeah. Uh, clipping it down and yeah. I had not heard of that before. Well, it's a it's a practice. We're going to talk a little bit about that with another plant today and that is when you're... what what. What I think they're trying to do is to, like, for example, Susie was mentioning bee bomb and cutting it back around the 4th of July, I believe, cutting it almost back to the ground and then letting it come back up. Right. And then it'll bloom later on into the season. And, that, and, that's, and that's true because once you take a plant that's in a reproductive stage where it's blooming and that's right. the reproductive stage, uh, you cut it back and then it gets, needs to get into the vegetative stage to regrow the foliage and then once it ends the vegetative stage it goes back to the reproductive stage which well, is I love blooming. bee balm and I, it I, is I nice. did not know that about uh, I like the smell of it and I like what it does around the walkways and things yeah. like that um, but I was not aware that you could get two seasons out of it yeah there's a one and, and of course it, in addition to that you're talking about the hummingbirds so right. we probably should mention that Right. Briefly. Right. And the hummingbirds, we, we were t- Susie was saying she has hundreds or, or lots of them anyway. And, and, of course, with all the bee bomb and, and other plants that are still blooming, they're kind of staying a little bit longer. But we want to, like we talked in our past programs, we'd like to take the feeders down around the 1st of October. I mean, they're really gearing up to, to leave the area, and so we don't want to keep them any longer than they should stay. There'll be a few stragglers that are lose their way of course and may not find too much to eat so you may want to put those back up around the first of maybe the end of october 20th of october kind of take them down stop the feeding and then uh, if you really want to take care of the ones that are late to leave you can go ahead and put up maybe one or two so <laughs> the slow movers exactly procrastinate like sometimes <laughs> Uh, Gary, just wanted to mention a couple of things. I know we've talked a lot about this, so I won't talk in detail, but Operation Relief, we'll be having that in October uh, this month. So if you're looking for a few trees, please just let us know, either at the Henry County Extension Office or the Lee County Extension Office. We can sure help you with that. Or better yet, go to the Operation Relief um, website. First graders are headed to the farm toward the end of the week of this week. Um, what a good time. I believe Thursday of this coming week, they're going to be headed out to the... You will learn a lot. To the Johnson farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be great. Um, also, uh, we're looking forward to Tuesday, Shemek Forestry Field Day. Well over, a few over 100, uh, quite a few over 100 signed up, so we're really looking forward to that. Spoke with a lot of the foresters on Friday. We've got plans in place, and we're ordering a lot of good food for everyone. So they'll spend a day with us uh, at Shimmick Forestry Field Day at, at Shimmick. And we're going to be at the Lick, uh, Lick Creek unit this year, which is one of the first times we've been to the unit. And that is about right halfway in between Donaldson and Farmington. And there's a large sign that says Lick Creek, and it's on the si- south side of the road. Was up there a couple weekends ago. Yeah, that's where the horses. That's right. That's where the horses are. So, 
we haven't been there before. We've been to the White Oak Campground. We've been to almost every other area but not Lick Creek, so it'll be fun to go there. I want to say one major change, though. We're meeting in Donaldson at 8.30 in the morning. We're going to have a two-hour, about an hour-and-a-half presentation. Uh, Paul Taki, who's head of the DNR Forestry Department, will be talking about the conservation um, uh, cons- the um, the tree planting program that takes – I'll get this right – uh, basically, it's a program that uh, protects timber here in Iowa and, and, and takes that, that, those acres, if they are environmental acres, and takes them off the tax rolls. So it's a very important program, especially if you own timber. So Paul will be talking about that and the benefits of that program and also seeking public input as we share that information with decision, decision makers this coming winter. Um, so we were talking about kids. I wanted to mention, this is kind of fun. This comes from the Iowa State University website. And uh, there's a new CD out, and it's called Dogs, uh, Frogs, and Nature Songs. And what it is, it's a new children's music CD from Iowa Learning Farms. And it's just been released, and it's all about nature and conservation and learning. The CD has 21 songs. They're composed, arranged, and performed by... Uh, just local residents who are interested in the environment, and most of them are from Iowa. Um, but there are some pretty neat songs on it, and if you want to know, for example, Itsy, Bit- Itsy Bitsy Spider is turned into a rap song, uh, several songs original, including Conservation Dog, What Does a River Want to Do, and Too Soon for a Good Night Moon or something. Could you do a couple lines uh, of, no, the, of the no, conservation I, I, dog for us, Bob? <laughs> that would be fun. But I think I'll spare our listeners <laughs> this morning. Bad. Yeah, that's your area. I'll get the lyrics for you next week, Gary, and we'll see if we can't put this we to can, a guitar. whistle it. Okay. But it's kind of a fun little CD, and if you have some grandkids or if you have some school children or some Bible school kids or or I should say Sunday school kids, it's kind of a fun little CD. And again, there's about 21 songs, and it's all about nature and our environment and how important learning is. And you can find this on the Iowa State University Extension website, and it's called Dogs, Frogs, Nature Songs, and it's a little CD. Um, Share with the grandkids. Exactly. It's just always fun to to do those kinds of things. Um, a couple other things really quick I wanted to mention. We're going to talk about, I know we talked about our freezing dates and, and those kinds of things, but this is a great time to start thinking about ordering up some of those row covers for some of those raised beds. Hopefully, right. hopefully everybody had a chance to get a fall garden planted, maybe some radishes, maybe some lettuce, uh, maybe even a few green beans and some peas. Uh, turnips, rutabagas, all of these things really work well in these fall gardens. But one of the things that we're working on at Iowa State University Extension is how can we extend Iowa's growing season? And we've talked a lot about high, high tunnels. And one other way is to take raised beds, and we have some pretty nice plans on our website about how to use these row covers, how to construct some, some hooping to keep that up, that row cover up off the right. plants, Really adds up. Keeps the heat and moisture in. Exactly, Gary. Does a great job. What we're trying to do is just create that micro environment. Sure. And if we can get through a few killing frosts, it's pretty amazing. You can almost get to the end of the year sometimes. And it really extends uh, how long we can harvest fresh fruits, or excuse me, fresh vegetables from, from our gardens. Right. Lots of and, good ideas. And a lot of it location, location, location. You exactly. You have to have the sunshine on the, on the tunnels. Yep, exactly. In order to get the... Exactly, the, yep. 
and so needed heat and condensation. And so there's some really nice plans on the Iowa State webpage, and if you have any questions about that, please do not hesitate to give me a call. In addition, we're kind of giving some thought to protecting some of these tender plants that we have, and I guess one of those that comes to mind right away, of course, is our roses. And there's lots and lots of different ways to um, think about how to protect uh, roses here in southeast Iowa. We talk about hilling and mounding. And what we basically do is simply tie the canes together to prevent whipping with some of the winds that we'll have here in the winter and in the fall. And then kind of cover the crown of the plant with about 12 inches of soil. And you can also place some additional materials like corn cobs and shredded leaves and straw over the soil mound. And then remove the soil and mulching material in early April. And then also do some pruning at that time. Of course, we're talking about this taking place more in November, but I like to think about it at this time of the year so that we can get the needed materials um, so that so that we're ready when, when the colder temperatures come. Um, another method, I won't spend too much time on this, but rose cones are also a good choice. Kind of keeping them in place sometimes can be a little bit of a challenge with the winds, but if we do some using, basically use some 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 large uh, staples or metal uh, nails to simply uh, hold them in the ground works pretty well as, as, as another choice. We'll uh, come back and finish up with that, but we've got to take a little break here. Word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with Let's Get Growing. is the time to be planting your fall bulbs so the bloom in the spring. But today we're going to teach you how to trick some of them into blooming earlier. Linda Nay from Ryland Gardens is with me. And Linda, what does it mean to force bulbs? Well, Liz, when we force a bulb, we're forcing this flower to bloom outside of its natural bloom time. So what we're doing is we're planting it here in the fall, and we're going to force it into bloom in the winter rather than waiting till spring. And it's a real easy procedure. Okay, now there are certain bulbs that do better? They do. They're daffodils, tulips, crocus, and hyacinth really do the best for forcing because they result in a uniform product and they bloom beautifully. When looking for bulbs, too, you want to look for large, firm bulbs that have no blemishes because the quality of your end product is a true reflection of what you put into that container. Okay, so once we have our bulbs, uh, how do we do this? Well, the next thing we do is we select about a five or six inch pot, and in that we can put about five tulip bulbs. The key is with whatever we're planting is that we don't want them to touch the edge or each other. So we fill the pot with a good loose potting soil to about three-quarter full. Add your tulip bulbs. With tulips, we want the flat side facing the pot, and with daffodils, it doesn't really matter. Then fill it in with soil so that just the tips are covered. Add a good watering so that it drains out the drainage hole, and then put the label in. And now we're ready for cold storage, which means an old refrigerator or an unheated basement or a heated garage, somewhere where we can maintain about 40 to 45 degrees. And after uh, 14-week hibernation, you'll see little gre- greenish-yellow sprouts coming up. That's the time to take them out. Gradually increase the amount of light you give them, and in about four weeks in full sun, they'll be beautiful for you. Now, that sounds great for the dead of winter. Yes, it does. And if you would like more information on forcing bulbs, be sure to log on to our websites. For Gardening in the Zone, I'm Liz Gilman. Excuse me, sir. Yes? What do you have there? An Echo Power Blower. And did you buy it in a box? No, it was assembled and in service by a trained and knowledgeable staff before I bought it. And how is it rated? Well, the Echo Train Small Engine Professional with 30 years experience told me it was rated by the EPA at 300 hours and has a five-year warranty. You're kidding. No, sir. I got serious. I got an Echo. 
Echo, only professional grade. Stop joking around. Ask about Echo Outdoor Power Equipment at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. Well, we're down at Gate City Seed Company, and we're talking about the change of seasons. Whether we're ready for it or not, it's going to happen. It's getting chilly. Rodents are coming in. Bugs are coming in. Of course, we have the 38-plus down at Gate City Seed, professional strength insecticide. It really works. One spray in, you're done for the rest of the year. One bite for the rodents, the mice trying to come in. Never fails. They can't be immune to it. Gate City Seed has it at the best price. And, of course, flower bulbs are in. Think about uh, October coming up. Get it while the selection's good. We have a completely new deer-proof section uh, of uh, deer-proof flower bulbs, believe it or not. So uh, think about Gate City Seed. Think about fall weather. Come and see us at 824 Main Street in Keokuk. And we're back with Let's Get Growing. want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, each Saturday morning here at KOKX AM 1310. And we want to make sure that uh, our sponsors get recognized, KSB Bank in Keokuk, KSB Insurance in Keokuk, our good friends down at Gate City Seed on Main Street in Keokuk, and Phelps Insurance in Donaldson, a longtime sponsor along with Armstrong Small Engine in Donaldson. Well, the Alice's Restaurant of uh, anything you need in, in, to work in the work the soil. That's exactly right. Or cut right. the grass. That's Armstrong exactly. Small Engine. Yep, yep. What are we going to talk about Well, now? I want to talk about popcorn for just a popcorn. little bit. I like popcorn. I do too, Gary. And every every year I think about growing, we always grow some sweet corn, but we very seldom, if ever, have grown popcorn. And I really, popcorn is one of my favorites, and there are so many different varieties available, so many different colors, and so many different... Uh, flavors. Flavors. They I actually that's, do have different flavors. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, and we grow popcorn. It needs to be isolated, just like many of our sweet corn varieties. And we treat it, uh, we plant it just as if it, I mean, it's a close member of the traditional corn plant that we're used to here in Iowa with just a few special um, characteristics. But it's one that I'd really encourage some of our home gardeners to give some thought to growing. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, many times we can also not only use it for ourselves, for human consumption and making those great popcorn balls, Love them. I do, too. Tis the season. They're wonderful. Uh, we used to get those all uh, when we were kids, of course, Halloween, and, and yeah. people made things to, exactly. to give away. And I think uh, probably a lot of that has went by the wayside because of of a few people. <laughs> I know. I know. And but, uh, they're kind and of hard sad to find. Because yeah. there, if there was a little bit, of, there was pride, and you knew where to go uh, exactly. each year to get the good stuff. That's exactly and, right. Uh, that's we all need, kind of went away. We're, we're gonna have to look for a recipe for uh, popcorn balls. Yeah, if you ha- if anyone comes across a great recipe for popcorn balls, Gary and I'd uh, like to have it. Our neighbor um, uh, used to grow popcorn, and he had called it Little Red. Yes, and it had a red uh, hull yes. to it, and boy, was it delicious! It yep. was a good, yeah, good grade of uh, popcorn. I don't know how you grade popcorn. Some yep. of it has hulls yep. in it. And, yep, hulls. Uh, but this was uh, called Little Red, and it was it was smaller, but, boy, it was really tasty popcorn. Yeah. Well, one of the things about popcorn right now, if you're fortunate enough to have grown it this past year and got it through this growing <laughs> season, here's one of the questions we often receive, and that is, what is the proper moisture content of popcorn that we should harvest? For example, number two yellow corn, the farmers, ideally, they'd like to harvest that at 15% moisture or 16% 
because there's no dock at at uh, for example Roquette or wherever sure. at 15% moisture. Well, for popcorn, we're looking at it for its popping qualities, and we know that 13 to 14% moisture, which is a little bit drier, is actually the very best. It produces the greatest volume when it's popped, and then the highest quality. And most of the kernels will pop when they're in that moisture content. So if popcorn's been stored, or if you if it happened to get a little too dry, which could have happened this year before mm-hmm. you get it harvested, um, the moisture content may be too low, and many kernels simply split open or remain unpopped when the popcorn's too dry. And the moisture content can be increased by adding water, and you need to be a little careful with this, but fill a quart jar about three-quarters full of popcorn and add about one teaspoon of water, seal it, and shake at intervals for a few days. And this will bring the moisture content of the popcorn up about 1% to 2%. Hmm. So depending on how much you, how too dry it is, is how much water you'll want to add. But add the water gradually. Otherwise, mold will develop or just it won't be you, uniformly distributed. But you have to test it first. You do. Right. Don't and just ele- add water. That's <laughs> right. That's right. And elevators can help you with that. Um, you can even do some tests. If you go on the, our website, there's a place where you can actually put popcorn in the microwave and, and uh, dry it for a certain period of time, weigh it, and then weigh it again to see how much moisture has disappeared. Uh-huh. In most cases, it will pop, though. So. And, and I've also heard about putting uh, uh, storing popcorn in freezers. Yes, 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 um, yes. And I've not had good luck with that. No, and the reason is it becomes too dry. Right. And that's and that's just what you're exactly right. because um, it becomes too if dry. If you put it, I use Ziploc bags or a jar. A jar mm-hmm. is always best, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, and just put it in a pantry. It seems to do a lot better. Yeah. Than it does putting it in the in the freezer, and I don't even know where I heard that years ago to yep. put it in a put it in a freezer, and it did didn't do well. Yeah, and sometimes you know, I mean, I'm, you know, if it was perfectly sealed it and no moisture left that popcorn, it should be all right. But at the same time, I think when we put them in refrigerators or especially freezers, the humidity is so low that um, oftentimes it it just gets too dry. So. Right. So I think the best way to test moisture on popcorn, though, if you grow very much, is um, take it to the elevator. Take oh, sure. many, many of our farmers have these portable moisture testers, and that's probably the best way to do that. I've so, found that popping it is the best way to I test it. I think it is, too, especially <laughs> when you add that caramel to it. That, that really works well. So you bet, you bet. Um, one other question along with popcorn that we often receive is in regard to asparagus. And we want to... People often ask if they should, if they may take the tops off the asparagus. And our question, our answer right now is, we want to make sure and allow that top growth to stand over the winter. And the brush will catch snow, preventing the snow from freezing deeply, or the soil from freezing deeply. And then uh, remove the plant debris just before growth begins in the spring. It may look a little untidy, but we want to leave that uh, those stalks up until the very, very end of the season for sure. Well, on into spring. And the reason is this plant, asparagus, is still building up root reserves so that we'll have a great crop next year. And then also, if you leave the ferns up on top, they will catch some of that snow and it will improve uh, the moisture uh, content of the soil. So um, October is the best time to plant some spring flowering bulbs. Um, they may be planted any time before the ground freezes. So we've talked a lot about that. Uh, bulbs can be planted as early 
or as late as December, early December. Uh, vegetables, there are several root crops that may be left in the ground, and we talked about that already, um, as, and dug as needed until the ground freezes. And, of course, if we use some of those row covers that we were talking about, uh, that, that will extend the uh, season. But after the first freeze, apply a layer of mulch about four to six inches in depth over the crops. Vegetables such as carrots and beets and parsnips, horseradish may be stored in this manner and really does extend the uh, entire um, growing season. Also, this year we've had a pretty good nut crop. I'm seeing quite a few acorns on many of the oak trees and also the walnut trees. Uh, one thing about walnuts, they're hulled and cleaned and dried and they're ready to be cracked. You want to store the surplus nuts in a cool, humid location. Walnuts stored at room temperature will turn rancid in just a few months and the walnut meats which have been removed from the shells may also be um, be stored. You want to dry the meats for about 12 to 24 hours and then place them in jars or plastic bags and freeze. And the meats may be stored for a year or more, so a very long time. And that's also true of chestnuts and also true of um, hickory nuts. That's the one I was trying to think of. Um, I wanted to turn our attention, Gary, just really quick to a, a, a really nice uh, ornamental grass that I just think is absolutely terrific. And I hope if I've mentioned it before, forgive me, but I think this one's really worth talking about. There's a new little blue stem out, and if you like ornamental grasses, this is one that you'll absolutely love. And I love little blue stem mm-hmm. to begin with. But this one is called Blue Haven, and it grows very nicely in zones 3 through 9. It is, so it's very versatile, and of course we're in zone 5. It, what's really nice about it is the size. It's about two to four feet tall and about one to three feet wide. It it loves full sun. It loves well-drained soils. And uh, it's an extremely attractive. Its ability to add softness to the landscape while maintaining a sturdy, upright habit is really one of the key factors about this. In late summer, as the steely blue foliage is topped by purple flower stalks that rise from the garden, they look almost like smoke. And I th- that's kind of a written description, and I think it does a nice job of doing that. The foliage gradually turns to shades of purple, then burgundy, and then full red in the fall and lasts late into the season. And they do kind of fade out through the winter. Um, but Blue Haven is very drought tolerant and is a, just an absolutely beautiful native grass. works so nicely here in Iowa. So, Blue Haven, or Blue Stem, uh, Blue Stem, Blue, Blue Haven, right? Yeah, and a little smaller version, so that's nice because some of them get up pretty good. Seven exactly. Feet or so, exactly. we're going to be right back after a word from our sponsors, uh, word from Iowa State University too. Okay, this guy tends to over 2,000 roses in the award-winning rose garden here at Ryman Gardens. So he's the perfect guy to talk to about winter rose protection. He's Nick Howell, the garden superintendent here. And so, Nick, how do we protect our roses? Well, winter protection actually starts in the spring. When you plant your roses, you should plant it so that the graft, which is the knob between the roots and the upper part of the plant, is two to four inches below the surface. Okay. In September, um, the actual winter protection starts what we will do is we'll discontinue spraying the roses and discontinuing deadheading the roses, usually the third week of September, so that that hardens the plants off. Okay. And then, uh, now that it's October, um, we will come in, we'll 
tie the roses up, usually about the third or fourth week of October, and we'll remove the mulch, and then we'll come in the second week of November, put a foot of soil around the base of each plant, and build a chicken wire fence around the entire bed, and then add two foot of straw over the top of that. Okay. Now, I've seen some of those styrofoam covers over roses. Is that a good thing? The styrofoam covers don't work very well and we don't recommend them. You get a lot of fungal organisms growing underneath that and then in the spring they will heat up prematurely and you'll hmm. have to actually remove them and then put them back again. Okay, so the soil and the straw is the best option? Yes. And then when should you remove all that? We try to remove that around the third week of March. Um, we'll come in and clean it out completely and then we'll actually prune the roses when we're done with that. Alright, good to know. And if you would like more information on roses, be sure to log on to our website. For Gardening in the Zone, I'm Liz Gelman. Well, we're down at Gate City Seed Company, and we're talking about the change of seasons. Whether we're ready for it or not, it's going to happen. It's getting chilly. Rodents are coming in. Bugs are coming in. Of course, we have the 38-plus down at Gate City Seed. Professional strength insecticide. It really works. One spray in, you're done for the rest of the year. One bite for the rodents. The mice trying to come in. Never fails. They can't be immune to it. Gate City Seed has it at the best price. And, of course, flower bulbs are in. Think about uh, October coming up. Get it while the selection's good. We have a completely new... Deerproof section uh, of uh, deerproof flower bulbs, believe it or not. So uh, think about Gate City Seed. Think about fall weather. Come and see us at 824 Main Street in Keokuk. KSB Insurance is your hometown trusted choice insurance agency dedicated to meeting all of your personal and business insurance needs. Give us a call or stop in at our Keokuk or Burlington location and let one of our friendly agents work with you to save some green on your insurance. KSB Insurance, protecting what matters to you. And we are back with Let's Get Going. We're going to wrap things up. We've got a couple of minutes here to talk about things. And good, good, good. I wanted to mention a couple of things. We have, we've, this whole, uh, this last season, we talked about Spend Smart, Eat Smart. Right. There's a couple other websites that are also by other universities that I think are terrific. And one is called the Food hero site and this one happens to be oregon state university extension service but it provides fast affordable recipes along with a lot of fun tips so if you enjoy food and you want to and you're on a budget like most of us take a look at food hero take a look at food hero and it's called and it's from oregon state university another one is called dinner tonight and this is a part of the texas agri-life extension service and um if you sign up at their their site every Monday, you will receive a short video of an easy main dish being prepared by one of the Texas Home Economists. It's a great site. There are about 130 videos that give directions on how to prepare the recipe and uh, how much the meal costs and serving ideas for simple meals. And another one is called Quick and Healthy Recipes from Families, Food, and Fitness. It's a part of the Cooperative Extensions Fitness. It's a network of the land-grant universities across America. And one little tip, if you enjoy, and I'm sure most of our listeners know this, but if you really, really enjoy uh, the web or getting a lot of information off the web, when you do a search on Google, just type .edu. If you type in .edu, you will almost get all the university's information and you'll sort out all the other uh, sources. And that's a great way to look for reputable, um, credible information on any source that you're looking for. So if you're looking for something on crickets, type crickets.edu and you will be amazed. It'll all be university's information. Great. Mostly extension. Right. Okay. 
we got to wrap things up for Let's Get Going. I want to thank everybody for tuning in each Saturday morning at 7.20 on KOKX AM 1310. From all of us here at KOKX Studios of 108 Washington, thanks for listening.